630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. British Open canceled. Would have been July 16th to 19th at Royal St. George's. The Masters, they're going to try to do it mid-November, the 12th to the 15th. The U.S. Open hoping to tee off September 17th to 20th. NFL Draft will remain April 23rd to 25th, but they're going to do it uh, all online. Al Kaline, legendary player for the Detroit Tigers, has passed away at the age of 85. His entire 22-year Hall of Fame career was spent with the Detroit Tigers. I also saw today actress Honor Blackman passed away at the age of 94. She played the titillatingly named Pussy Galore in the James Bond film Goldfinger, one of the best James Bond uh, movies out there. And if that wasn't the character's name, I probably couldn't say that phrase on the radio. Uh, And then one of my favorite Oscar moments, this was probably, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago now, uh, Billy Crystal was, was hosting the Oscars, and he did this bit where he said, okay, we're gonna show people on camera and I'm going to read their minds. So he, whatever, they'd show whoever, whoever, he'd say some funny little quip. And then they showed Sean Connery, who, of course, played James Bond in Goldfinger. And and Billy Crystal says, pussy galore. Oh, now I get it. I thought that was pretty funny. You can call or text 780-496-0063. Well, this man was getting sick of me a few weeks ago, and now he hasn't seen me for almost a month. It's uh, Rob Brown. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, Reed. How are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing okay. I, I do miss you. It's it's different not seeing you every second night or more frequently since hockey was placed in a pause, and we probably would have been together for playoff games starting Wednesday or Thursday. Well, and that's the hard part of it, too, is you and I have done a lot of games that have ended uh, seasons that have ended in in early April. So this was the year that we were excited about what this team could do and, and going into the playoffs. And unfortunately, uh, the world stopped. So, uh, yeah, it, it's not the same. I, we should be sitting in an arena watching games or sitting in the studio watching games. Instead, I'm reorganizing my house and watching a lot of Netflix. Well, at least you're being productive around the house, and I know this was totally your idea to do work around the house. <laughs> well, uh, no, but since my wife's the only one that's employed in her family now, she works from home doing teaching at Grand McEwen, and uh, me and the kids, we uh, find things to do each day, projects. So the unfortunate thing is I think that I've, I'm doing a project every day. I've almost run out, and I have a feeling I've got another three or four months stuck in this house. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, we got we got to ride this out. So hopefully, we all come out healthy on, on the other end. But thanks for checking in, Rob. It, it is great to talk to you. And uh, I, I mean, we have you on the show periodically, anyway. So I, I'm glad to have you on the show tonight. Uh, Trevor Harris was on the show in the first half hour, quarterback for your Edmonton Eskimos. He said, "Now this this is the crazy thing, Rob." Trevor said when he was a kid. Basketball was his first love as a sport. He also golfed and played baseball, kept playing football even though he didn't really like it that much. And when he was a freshman in high school, he was going to quit the team, but his mom gave him 50 bucks to finish the season so he wouldn't disappoint his dad. Uh, now, I know you're good at other sports. Was it always 
was hockey always your number one, or did you maybe when you were a kid have uh, you know this some sort of dreams of making it in another sport? Um, I played every sport as a kid. Uh, I played lacrosse and baseball and soccer, fastball, golf, and then all the school sports too. I, when I grew up, you played every sport. It's not like nowadays where kids don't play school sports or kids only play one one sport. I, we we played it all, and I think that's why we were better athletes because we were able to play everything and take something from one sport into another. Um, my two favorite sports were obviously hockey because that's what I was the best at, and lacrosse. I love lacrosse. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed uh, having the summers away from hockey and playing the game of lacrosse. So uh, if there were, when I came up, I mean, pro leagues weren't that big for lacrosse. If there would have been pro leagues at a higher stature, uh, maybe I would have gone that route instead because I really did enjoy box lacrosse. Uh, why, why do you think you were a good lacrosse player? I mean, was there anything transferable from hockey? Uh, eye-hand coordination. Uh, I was fast. Uh, the one thing that I was, I'm the same size now as I was when I was, uh, you know, 12, 13 years old. So I was bigger and stronger than all the kids that I went against. So I, I had an advantage there. But uh, the biggest thing is eye-hand coordination. I, I think that anybody that makes it to the top at any profession uh, is able to, to move into other sports and be, you know, fairly competitive because of their eye-hand coordination. And, and their competitiveness. So I think uh, the competitiveness that I had growing up, it, it certainly served me well going from sport to sport. The the physicality of lacrosse is interesting to me, and, and I don't pretend to be uh, an expert on the sport, but when, the, uh, when I was working for City TV about 10 years ago and the Edmonton Rush uh, were here, I covered every home game for two years, which was fun because you got to know the, the team and the players and their abilities a little bit. But the the whacking and the cross checking that is legal in lacrosse was always a little stunning to me. Now I know you can't hit everywhere on the body, but there there is a lot of abuse that you can take legally if you're the guy carrying the ball. True, but the equipment was better. You used to wear kidney pads, and then the the pads that you had when you when I played, they, they went all the way down your arms. So I mean, you got you got bruised. But it, the protection was pretty good. Uh, it, it just, it's a great sport, to, and it's a great sport of any kids growing up nowadays that play hockey in the winter. You want to find something that keeps you in shape for, for the next hockey season, play lacrosse. Because I tell you, running up and down that floor, it, it is a ton of fun. And uh, Alberta, I think, is starting to get more and more. Because I see here in St. Albert, there's a lot of young kids that play it. So there's more and more lacrosse teams that are popping up. But, yeah, it is, it is a great sport. It is a. It is a. I've, I've watched the pro teams play. They were much more physical than we were when we were kids. Uh, and when I played in Pittsburgh, they had a team in Pittsburgh that played. And it was funny. My wife and I went to a game there one year, and this one section we got seats that were down by the glass, like row six. But there was no one sitting there. All the people were sitting in a circle on both sides of the 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 arena up high, and we're like, why is everyone sitting there? Like all these great seats down low. Well, then we noticed every time Pittsburgh scored a goal, they had two girls, one on each side that would get up on a stage and they'd take a piece of clothing off every time there was a goal scored. And you know lacrosse, there'd be like 12, 14, 15 goals scored. By the end, the, the, the young lady was scantily clad, and that's where all the, the male-drinking fans were all sitting. So 
my wife and I learned very early why we were down by ourselves, lower down towards glass. Well, that's an interesting promotion. I don't know if that would fly in many uh, rinks and stadiums nowadays. I don't, well, actually, I don't even know if it was considered a good idea then. I think some... I'm not sure. But it, it seemed like, I don't even know if it was a promotion, because everybody was already sitting there. So it wasn't like it was a one-off. This was like something they were doing. And my wife is as big a feminist as you'll ever meet, and she's looking like, are you kidding me? I said, hey. Not my idea. I've had some bad ideas in my life. This one wasn't one of them. What <laughs> wasn't one of them? Uh, your your time in Pittsburgh was uh, well. Your a couple of stints in Pittsburgh, but but earlier in the career, uh, I, I mean, look, and, and we often reference the the gaudy numbers you you put up playing on a line with Mario Lemieux. We know a lot about Mario the the player, Mario the person. I, I mean, obviously he was the face of that franchise. He was one of the top. Well, two players in the league. I was going to say top three, but I mean, really, he was in, he was in the top two. He he, and he was, I mean, he was a little bit like McDavid, right? He went to a bad team. It was sort of on him to turn it around. It it took them a while to get going. Eventually, it did for the Penguins. We're still hoping that happens in in Edmonton, though. It looked like they were in the playoffs this year. Mario, the the person, could could you get to know him a little bit, or, or as a teammate, or was it tough just because he was in such a unique stratosphere? Uh, I did. Um, for one, the, the, he, he married Natalie. At, they were high school sweethearts, and they were together forever and still are. I, I For a long time, Natalie's younger sister, when she came to visit, I would hang out with her. And it was funny because she spoke no English and I spoke no French. So it was uh, an interesting <laughs> dynamic that we had. So I got to know Mario through that. Uh, I used to spend every Christmas Eve over at Mario's house. I'd go over there with one of my girlfriend, and now, now my wife was in town, and the people I used to live with, and we'd go over to their house on Christmas Eve. He, uh, he's a quiet guy. Um, he, he's um, not really unlike Connor McDavid. Connor is, you know, the greatest in the, in the league, or one of the greatest in the league right now, but he likes to do all this talking on the ice. I mean, you would not consider him a fantastic interview because you're not getting a whole lot out of him. And that's what Mario was like. Mario was, if not the best in the league, he was the second best when he played. But he just liked playing the game. He didn't want to, he didn't want to you know, be the face of the, uh, of the franchise, the face of the league. He wanted to, after his games he, in Pittsburgh, he couldn't go out. He was so famous in Pittsburgh that when the game ended, he went home and you'd go to his house and have, you know, he'd always drink wine and have some wine at his house because he, it was too hard for him to be out in public because he, he was a little... Shyer and a little more introverted that way, but a, a really nice person. And he's a guy that I've been around, and you and I have interviewed. We've interviewed, you know, Coffee and Fear and Gretzky, and I've had the opportunity to, to play with or against uh, a number of greats in the world. And there's only been a couple of players that I've been, I don't know, I wouldn't say awestruck, but just a little bit of apprehension around. And, and Bobby Orr, the first time I met him, I was giddy like a little schoolgirl. Still am. I've met him two or three times. Mario was the other one. I, there was just something about him that when I was around him, I just was like, whew, take a deep breath. It's just, it's just another guy. So uh, he, he was a great guy, a quiet guy, and one of those people that when he spoke, you listened because he didn't speak very often. So when he did, he had something important to say, and you made sure you paid attention. Did you speak a lot about what was going on on the ice? And, I mean, you've referenced how great players often see plays that 
no other players can see. It's almost like they're playing that video game view, right? And then they know there's a passing lane there and nobody else sees it. But you were able to, to, to play with him and produce with him. Did you have conversations about you got to do this, you got to do this, I'm going to be here? Or did you just sort of have a good connection on the ice? We had a good connection, and he, did, he didn't talk a, a lot. When you came off the ice, he smiled at you, meant you did good. If he didn't smile at you, you're like, okay, I got to get better next shift. I did something wrong. But it would be simply just say, keep your, keep your stick on the ice. Find an opening. Just little things like that. And he would. I mean, he was so talented that if you went somewhere, he found you. Um, you, you there was immense pressure playing with him because when you play with, like, for example, you play with Connor McDavid right now, you, when he sets you up, you better score because you're on the line that's supposed to score. So playing with Mario, there was pressure. But no, he was... I don't think in all the, the time that I played with him, and I was, we were line mates on and off for almost four full seasons, I don't think he ever, there was ever a negative word that he said. I mean, there was, there was shifts or games or periods that I was horrible, and he would just you know, give a pat in the back and, and just be quiet. There was never, never did he come off and he's like, you've got to do this or you can't do that. Never in all the time that I played with him. He was very, very positive and very respectful. All right, so what, what's the deal with his smoking? Was that a constant <laughs> thing? Did he not smoke during the season? Well, how prevalent was it? My, my first ever training camp, so I was an 18-year-old kid, just played junior in Kamloops and went to, to Pittsburgh. And our first training camp, we used to practice at this high school. So you had, they had a gymnasium where you, all our equipment was set up in our chairs, and that's where we changed. And then you would walk across a lawn to get to the arena part. So you'd walk full equipment, helmets, gloves, sticks, everything on. The only thing you would do is you would carry your skates. I remember the first time walking across, and at that point I knew who Mario was. I mean, Mario was, if, if he wasn't the best, he and Wayne were the two best in, in the world. And I, first time going on the ice, I was going on the ice with him, and I'm walking beside him. He's fully equipped. He's got one glove on, the other glove tucked underneath his arm. He's got his helmet on, and he was smoking on the way to the very first ice session of training camp. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously, there's Mary Lemieux smoking on the way to the first ice session. I went home, bought two packs, and said, if it works for him, it's got to work for me. No, I did. I did not, never smoke, never will. But I was in shock. But there was, after periods, you'd kind of, you go out into the hallway to fix your stick or something, and he would be out there smoking. And Jill's Malosh was our goalie. He would smoke. There'd be like three or four guys. Now, it only lasted a couple seasons, and then uh, I never saw him smoke other than occasionally a cigar. But the first year or two, uh, yeah, uh, there was a number of guys. Uh, the, the players were not in as good a shape to, in those years as they are today. Uh, we looked after our body, bodies much differently. Well, I guess uh, no one's really going to tell him to stop when you're getting uh, what he peaked at 199 points and usually got 150 or more. So, no. <laughs> Nobody was going to correct him. <laughs> well, no, but it was it was like when my first first two years in the NHL, when I would come off the ice in the old igloo in Pittsburgh, you you come off the ice and you walk about I don't know twenty feet straight down a hallway, and then you turn left and you walk about seven feet, and that's the doors to your dressing room. There used to be two coolers full of beer. So when you walked off the ice in from the game, like you just came off the ice from the game. On your way in the dressing room, you bend over and you picked up two beers, and that's how you undress. You sat in your stall with beer, 
And that's how, that was the way it was. I mean, I think it was year three or year four where they stopped doing it, but it was a completely different culture back then than it is now. And I mean, obviously, it's much better now, but it was, uh, like, I was shocked as an 18, 19-year-old playing in the National Hockey League of, of the way uh, things were handled. Well, is it really a better culture? It's a healthier culture. Okay, it's healthier. It's a okay. better culture. I was, I was, this is for the younger people listening. Yeah. Yes, it's better. But no, no, it's different. It's much, much different. Well, I mean, I, when the first few years I was doing this job, I still also did uh, some interviews in the dressing room after games. And now, obviously, I don't do that because we're up top. Well, actually, even after practice, I see it too. Oilers players, and I assume around the league, they often get some sort of a, like it looks like a smoothie. You know, it's mm-hmm. often purple or, or pinkish. And I guess that's all the stuff you need to replenish for when immediately after a game or a practice ends. Well, that, that's the difference in the game. In my era, guys would have, you know, a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of vodka tucked underneath their stall that they pull out after a game, where nowadays all the kids have, you know, their little blenders in their stalls. Uh, when after the game, when nowadays after practices, I know that a bunch of the teams in the NHL, probably all of them have, they have chefs that cook them lunch. Our lunch, as soon as practice went over, we went to a place at a pub. We ate wings all day and drank beer. And then around 7 o'clock, shift changed. New waitresses would come in and we'd have dinner there. And then around 1 o'clock in the morning, we'd go home. So it's a completely different culture than it was. Um, but uh, it, it, it made for good stories. We had a lot of good stories sitting around there, uh, drinking beer for 12 to 14 hour days. <laughs> well, the uh, the calories clearly didn't say stay with you, Rob, because you are still uh, in pretty good shape. Which is <laughs> some, some think I'm, be- I'm better shaped now than was when I played. So, <laughs> uh, one more for you. We got a text here from Jason on the text line. Uh, hey, Rob, miss hearing you after games. I know you played in the AHL for a while. What was the worst minor league rink you ever played in? Well, and I guess we'll include the IHL in that as well because you were in that league for a bit too. Oh, there were there were a lot of bad ones. I know the first time I went to Fort Wayne, I was scared to death. It was uh, it was just a old old building, and they were a mean, dirty old team. That that was one of my first ever games in the minors, and it was just. Uh, it, it was intimidating stepping on the ice. But the, my favorite used to be though when you went to Indianapolis. And I eventually one year did play in Indianapolis and found out what they did. But if you went to Indianapolis and you won as an opposing team, you got no hot water when you did the shower after the game. If you went there and lost, they gave you hot water. So it was funny. So there were guy there were my first, I think it was my first time ever playing in Indianapolis with about five or six minutes in the go to go in the game and we were winning big. And one of our veteran players, I can't remember which guy it was, went and started yelling at the ref for no reason and got kicked out. And he was a veteran player. He realized that they were going to cut off the hot water, so he got off the ice about eight minutes early so that he could get hot water before our bus ride home. So Indianapolis would cut off the hot water if he beat them. That's smart. That is a veteran That move. is a veteran. Oh, he was absolutely. I can guarantee you the next time we went to Indy, I was kicked out very quickly in that one, too. <laughs> I think you were kicked out in the warm-up, though. <laughs> I used to do that in junior, though. In junior, they had a, a rule that if you got into a fight in junior hockey in exhibition season, you got kicked out of the game. And I remember there was a game that Greg Hoggett and I both were playing, and Hitch was the coach, and we didn't want to go. It was in this little, dinky little town, and we were playing against a tough team on the other side, and we didn't want to play. 
So in the first shift of the game, there was uh, a couple players on the other team that we knew, and we said, okay, 30 seconds in, we drop our gloves, wrestle a little bit, let's get kicked out just to piss Hitch off. And we did. <laughs> I'm sure it worked. <laughs> Rob, thanks for checking in tonight, man. It's uh, it's always great to catch up with you. I, I know we're going to keep in touch uh, off air, but thanks for coming on the show, man. Hope your family's doing well. Absolutely. Call me anytime. I got a lot of free time. <laughs> that is Rob Brown. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Good to catch up with Rob Brown. You've also heard from former big league pitcher Ryan Dempster and Eskimos quarterback Trevor Harris on the show tonight. In a few minutes, we will connect with the former play-by-play voice of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. He's now the Dan part of a little show called Jay and Dan on TSN. Dan O'Toole is going to join us. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with your creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist. Angie, uh, Dan's ready to go, so we can call him and, and, and get him on. We weren't sure we'd get him quite this early, but I just got a text that uh, he is uh, ready to go. We're going to find out what he's doing tonight. I think they're trying to put he and Jay back on television, believe it or not. They, that show's been a bit of, on a bit of a hiatus. Ken Holland, the GM of the Oilers was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today and said, uh, yeah, when you miss these stretch drive games and some playoff games, you miss out on some growing experiences as a team. All those experiences um, over the long haul are valuable in development of a team, the development of a, of a young player. And, uh, um, you know, I, you know I, I think even Bob, you know, as we got out of Christmas break and we started to get into the new year, you know, we, we knew that we, I think everybody knew that we had to, to find a way to take our game to another level or we were going to slowly, you know, kind of play our way out of the playoff race. And to the credit of the, of our of our players and the coaches, they, they did raise their game and we played, we played at a high level uh, um, or much higher level, you know, from the 1st of January up until... Uh, until the season was um, was paused, um, you know those are those those are important um, um, stepping stones along the way. Ken Holland, general manager of your Edmonton Oilers, Darnell Nurse on a conference call today was asked about the changes Ken Holland made. Yeah, there's a different uh, there's a different vibe. You know, obviously that's that's Kenny. That's the it's the staff he brought in, Tip and and Jimmy, and uh, obviously Gully's been uh, Gully's been around for for a while. Wise, Schwartzy, these guys uh, each and every night. JC, our video coach, these guys each and every night uh, or each and every day, whether it's practice games, they keep us keep us engaged. They keep us uh, learning and, and on our toes, and um, you know it's really the just a great group for the group of players that we have. We really respond well to you know, the coaches and their messages and how they, uh, how they present it to us. And there's some, some great teachers who invest so much time into, you know, not only our team game, but each guy individually. And they know how to you know, talk to each guy individually. And that's huge. That's, uh, that's a big testament to, to uh, Kenny and, and who he's able to bring in. A little bit there from Darnell Nurse. He did a conference call. Several Oilers players have uh, been available through conference call. We had Josh Archibald on the show last week. We had Matt Benning on. Uh, you know, McDavid, Clefbaum, Dreisaitl have done conference calls. Dave Tippett did one last week. He also went on Oilers now. So we're staying connected with those players who were hoping to start the playoffs this week. Well, Jay and Dan, a very popular program on TSN. We're going to bring you the gentleman 
who is known as the handsome one of that duo. It's the one only Dan O'Toole. Dan, how are you doing? Bree, how are you doing, buddy? We're doing okay. Uh, so what was going Are you guys going back on television? Explain to me what is happening. We are. We'll be live in one and a half hours on TSN uh, from our homes. Uh, it was quite a process, but we, we figured it out. Jay and I, we can barely receive texts and send texts, yet we set up in-home studios. So Jay's broadcasting from his basement. I'm broadcasting from my kitchen. And um, we're making sense of the sports world. And everyone always says, well, as you know, you're working every day. What are you going to talk about? There's actually a lot to talk about because it's pretty much cancellation center now. Well, you're right, and uh, there's there's always room for a good story, and we've had a few of them tonight with our previous guests uh, on Inside Sports. Okay, so, and I mean, look, the, the technology we have now is uh, is amazing, and, and I'm by no way um, very astute with a lot of it, but I get Skype and video conferencing and all that kind of stuff. So did they put some sort of a camera in your basement, or is this all through a computer? Okay, so I will... Uh, I will... It's actually very simple. So we have a NFL reporter that we go to every Thursday during the NFL season named Mike Carafolo. He comes to us from New Jersey, from Hoboken, home of Frank Sinatra. And it's a crystal clear shot. We talk to him. He can't see us, but he talks back. And um, it, it's broadcast quality. He does that from his iPhone. So we now have that same technology. We have an app in which you download and then the feed goes directly to TSN in HD 1080p quality and now that's what we've got on our phones they do the calibrating with the the uh, the microphones with the lighting and everything so it matches up um, and they send us a lighting kit so it's oh. a professionally lit uh, shot and then they send us a tripod in which you put your phone in the tripod you hook the microphone in you put your earpiece in a computer and boom, you've got TV. That's amazing. Now, how is this going to affect the banter you and Jay have since you won't be able to sort of physically play off each other and maybe pick up some of the cues that you guys might have with each other? Well, there's a slight delay. We're trying to work around that because we can now see each other. They worked out um, a return feed so I can watch Jay while he's talking and vice versa. But yeah, it, it's like anything. It, when you're in person, you can you can feed off each other's cues, and you know when a person's about to stop talking, and when they're about to start, or if they want to say something. So, hey, we're all, we're all working through kinks at this time. I have to ask you: Are you at home broadcasting this, or are you in the studio? This is my last show in studio. I'm at home starting tomorrow. The morning show okay. and me have been the only shows in studio since uh, this sort of all got changed. And now, uh, one well, our morning show is the only two-person hosted show. Uh, one of those people went home today, and I will be broadcasting from home starting uh, tomorrow. And most people have been at home, Dan, so th- there aren't a lot of people around. Now, that's usually my experience at work anyway, because my colleagues tend to avoid me. Uh, but now, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, even more obvious. <laughs> So what is, what is your setup then at home? Do, do they have like a professional radio mic? What, how yeah, how's it, the setup there? Well, I haven't actually set it up yet. I'm going to have to do it tomorrow morning. But it, it's through a laptop that will connect to the station through the internet, 
and I got a pretty good quality mic and a nice set of headphones provided to me uh, and uh, a remote version of our audio editing program so I can sit in the afternoon and edit some clips that I might want to use on the show and do all those types of things. So, you know, it, it should be pretty it should be pretty good. And I mean, like you were saying, uh, we got to roll with it and we got to do a show. Uh, regardless, so are you guys? Is are you guys now back to Sunday through Thursday and in an hour, or what's what's it going to be for the time being? No, it's going to be Monday to Friday, a half hour show. And right now, because we've got so many re-airings of things, our show's going to be all over the map. But uh, they're trying to get it back in its usual time slot. So here's there's another question I have to you. So in TV, people, I I, I don't think they're well, they'll get used to us broadcasting from home. But they want the to see the studio. They they want to to see like the the, the showbiz. But it, with the radio side, don't you think if it sounds as good as in studio, you could do it permanently from home, or would you always want to go into work because it has a better feel? Yeah. Well, I I suppose you could get used to doing it from home. I would prefer to do it from work. Then and look, obviously we're talking about a, a health situation here, so I, I get that. Yeah. But here, from a radio standpoint, here are the advantages to doing it in studio. Uh, Kellen's not working tonight. We have Angie in tonight, but usually a gentleman named Kellen Kennedy is my studio operator, and we see each other through a through a pane of glass, like a lot of radio studios. And we're at the point where a little hand gesture or a point or a thumbs up, and we know what the next guy needs. Right? Yeah. Or if he's calling somebody and the guest isn't answering, I know that if he gives me the one minute sign with his finger, he's probably going to get the guy. Maybe the guy just say, hey, I got to finish up with my dog here, then call me back. And I know if he gives me an exaggerated shrug, that we're probably screwed. The guest forgotten isn't answering the phone. Right? And also, um, so before your when you were coming on, because I, I explained on air that you were you were coming on, we didn't know your exact start time because you were getting ready for your show. Um, so I'm like, okay, Dan might be a couple minutes. I'm going to play a Darnell Nurse clip and I'm going to play a Ken Holland clip. I won't be able, as far as I know, I won't be able to do that at home. So if all of a sudden I have two minutes I didn't think I would have, it's going to be harder for me to get audio to drop it. So I'm going to have to tell our operator, hey, have this clip ready just in case, and I'll throw to it. So th- those okay, things will be a little less here's convenient. The, here's the game changer I'm going to tell you right now. Both of you and your operator should get Skype on your phones, and then you have it on mute. You can see him. He can see you. So if you've got those issues, he can give you the, okay, trying to get a hold of the guy uh, during your show. Boom. It. See, you're such an intelligent young man. That's why you've risen to the top of your profession. No, I've learned all this in the last week. I've never had Skype in my life. Oh, really? Oh, I've used Skype before. I, I, I did mention tonight, uh, we just finished a podcast as well, and um, Skype has the most pleasant ringtone <laughs> in all of communication. That's actually true. It does have a very inviting ringtone where you're like, yeah, oh. it's like Dung, dung, dung. Yeah. This looks I'm like, like a, yeah, I'm going to answer this call. This looks like somebody trying to scam me out of money, but I'll answer it anyway. <laughs>
<laughs> so, all right. Well, I'm excited you guys are back uh, are back doing stuff, uh, and uh, good for you guys to figure out a way to do it from from your homes. That'll be. It'll be I mean, you guys are just you guys are just fun, and uh, obviously Jay's on the show a lot, and I've known him a long time too. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I want to ask you while I have you, Dan, and you and I briefly met. In uh, the spring of 2000, when I had just started in Lloyd and you were doing Fort McMurray Oil Barons play-by-play, uh, mm-hmm. and I still remember, I, I still feel bad, I've told you this before, I still feel bad because I didn't, I went with the Lloyd Minster Blazers to their playoff games in Fort McMurray, and you said, can you come on during the intermission? And I said, yes, I just have to call in a phone update back to my station. So I did that, and then I didn't realize how long it would take me to get from where I was sitting up to your radio booth. And I got there with like a minute and a half left in the intermission, and you were kind of like, uh, yeah, I probably don't need you now. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my one regret in broadcasting to this day. That's what? That's my one regret where I'm like, everything was going great up until then. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, where did you get the broadcast? Like when you were the little Dan in Peterborough, did you want to do something broadcasting wise, or when did it really kick in for you? Well, uh, when I was in high school, I did. Um, I don't know if they co-op programs in Alberta where you're in high school, you go, um, you go like, hey, maybe I, I I want to do this profession. So my first one was um, <laughs> I tried teaching, and it was for like grade three and four, and I'm like, I will murder a child, so no, I will not do this for the rest of my life. So then uh, another one came up at the local university radio station. I I did that, and I realized, hey, this kind of doesn't even feel like a job, so yes, sign me up. And that's what started in high school when I did a co-op program at at a radio station. And then, uh, yeah, traveled across Canada and cut my teeth and here we are now uh, broadcasting from home right, yeah, no it's all yeah that's the thing for most of us at some point we called a uh a, a game off a of tv or I, like i had a it, it wasn't it wasn't a ghetto blaster it was like a really small version like it was more than a tape recorder but it was less than a ghetto blaster and i would tape myself and do little fictional shows like in your bedroom and now tomorrow i'm going to be broadcasting from a spare bedroom in my home (laughs) yeah i was a huge Habs fan when they uh, well first steve penny i fell in love with him he stood on his head for a couple years and then gave way to patrick wall and i put the games on mute and and do play-by-play of those and then i also um i had all the like what were they about six seven inch wrestlers the really heavy ones when it was still the wwf and i would do play-by-play of their matches um into a tape recorder so yeah i kind of did the same thing and i still have all those wrestling figures and they're on display in my home and yes I'm a grown adult. That's okay. Well, I'm glad you're here because uh, Kellen, the the gentleman I mentioned who usually operates the show, he keeps me updated on anything with the WWE. So, and, and I like to throw in a little bit of chat about it because I know we do have listeners who follow. But he's he's away today, and I got to be honest with you, Dan. A couple weeks ago, when Kellen and I were chatting on air, and I was like, "So what? They canceled WrestleMania? What's going on?" He's like, "No, Reed," and he explained. So what they but they pre-taped it and aired it over the last couple of days and with no fans. Really? I, did, I didn't know that. I haven't watched since, Oh, so you um, stepped Hulk away. Was champ. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, I wasn't even, I didn't even watch during, like, the Rockers when it was, like, huge. I I kind of gave up after, uh, probably right when it turned to the WWE, right around that time frame. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, so well, Kellen stayed with it. Trust me, and he's in his he's in his thirties. Oh, 30s. it's huge. And, yeah. and the, the, the new um, the new league that uh, broadcasts on TSN, the uh, what is it, the N uh, Extreme Wrestling, or I don't know. I should know this if it's on our NWA. Angie just told me. NWA. Yeah. So are you sure? Angie? No, no, no. That's not right. That's a rap group, isn't it? <laughs> Pretty, pretty sure. No, it's, it's another one. It's like, um, it's not NXT. It's something like Extreme Wrestling, where they got like Johnny Turbo. <laughs> I don't know. That's, a, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, Dan O'Toole from Jay and Dan on TSN joining us. They're uh, back today. What, what, what do you say, Yart? Is it still 10 o'clock Mountain, or are you on earlier today? Uh, at 11 Eastern. So 9 nine mountain. mountain today, so you're on a little earlier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, read, um with uh, everything that's going on in the world, does this mean we will not see you in Toronto? No, you will not see me. I, I My annual spring trip to Toronto, and you and I splitting a beer because I was too drunk <laughs> from the night before to have a full one <laughs> at 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably be on hiatus till 2021. <laughs> well, that stinks. <laughs> Uh, yes, there's there's the last time I I, I saw you. So get, give people a sense of uh, of the relationship with Jay. Like, when did you guys first think, like, my God, we we might have something, and we're gonna be a duo. We're gonna be linked. Or are you still hoping uh, to discover that moment? <laughs> we are still. I don't think we've ever admitted that. We're just like, hey, we we actually get along, and. Um, the, the relationship has just grown over the years because when you're hanging out with someone every night, you realize, hey, we uh, find the same things funny. Hey, we like the same sort of music. And, um, yeah, we, people always ask, are you guys friends off the air? We actually are. Like, uh, we text all the time. I text him and his wife together. I'll send them a stupid shot. He'll send, she sent me a picture tonight of Jay wearing a, a suit at home because we have to wear suits from home. For these shows, and again, who wears a suit at home? Anyway, we've tried to we've tried to change our bosses' minds on this, but uh, they will not budge. Maybe down the road. So, uh, yeah, if you hang out with a person enough, you can't fake liking them. So, luckily, we have gotten along, and um, we've each uh, outlasted uh, one marriage. <laughs> I did not think you were going to go there, but I suppose that that is factually accurate. Now, now that I now that I uh, now that I think about it, so who's more likely to to take a joke too far, you or Jay? Oh, Jay, a hundred percent. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, and who's? Uh, I think we're both suited for a pandemic because Jay has a young family and his life pretty much hasn't even changed. They're always at home. And I live in the country where we, like, in behind me, we've got some crown lands where my kids and I, we just go back there and just hang out and play in the woods like I did as a kid. So we're both very well suited for a pandemic because um, we we aren't the most crazy. We, we don't go to the clubs. Um, the one thing, I'll ask you this, Reed, what do you miss the most? I miss going to a restaurant and having a nice meal yes yeah i mean other like outside of work stuff obviously yes just going out with my mom and dad or or meeting about my buddy for a, a pint and a pizza there's a place we go usually go every couple of sundays you, that's that's what i miss i mean some of the other stuff 
it's like you know okay sh- shopping's a little different like that's in- inconvenient but yeah i miss just and, and look i'm not it's not like i'm going out all all the time and i and i work into the evening or when there's a game you know i work late when everybody else is is off so i don't, I don't always have the same options but yeah just you know a night off just meeting up for a beer with a buddy for an hour or two that that, that that's what i miss the most yeah and how many when this is all over how many hugs people are going to be doing is hugging Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hug you on video chat. <laughs> uh, All Elite so. Wrestling is the name of the show. AEW got a text. Yeah, Somebody, right. I knew a texter would save us. All right, I, I gotta go. Let you, uh, you know, touch up your makeup and uh, do your hair because you're you're on TV in just over an hour. So, Dan, I'm just fearing that cats are gonna jump in the shop because my cats. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, I have cats, people. Deal with it. That'd be amazing. Jump in the shot somehow. Thank you so much for your time, Dan. We'll see you around. Thanks, Reed. Miss you, buddy. That is Dan O'Toole on Insights Sports tonight from Jay and Dan on uh, TSN. Uh, Jay, obviously from Alberta, and Dan worked in Alberta. I mentioned when I first met him when I was uh, working in Lloyd Minster. He was doing some play-by-play for the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. Another funny story about Dan. Well, we've we've had him on the show a couple times before. Is he's a good guy. One of the times I was trying to to line up an interview with him because we we'd been in touch and he said yeah you know this range of dates i can probably do something so get in touch with me then so you wait and then you're leading up to that time and i was like hey could you still do something this you know wednesday thursday or friday or whenever it is and i didn't hear from him so i tried dming him on twitter and, and didn't get anything and then finally like a week and a half later he texted me back he said oh yeah sorry okay i'll do something tomorrow and I guess somehow his his phone had crashed, so he didn't have a phone, and he forgot his Twitter password or something, and he couldn't get into his Twitter to check his DMs and things like that. So literally, it would have been quicker for me to mail him a letter and get a reply to set up a time for him to be on the show <laughs> rather than texting and DMing and using our, our incredible modern immediate technology. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. It is 7.57. Charles Adler is coming up next. Uh, thanks to Angie Quinnell for sitting in tonight. Angie, good to see you. Haven't seen you in a while. How have you been? I've been good, Reed. How have you been? Good. Now, how did you, you have, you did not watch WrestleMania. No. So we'll have to get the update from Kellen tomorrow. Yes, you will. On, uh, on what would, I assume he, he watched, I think it was a two-night event. I think so, It had yes. a cliffhanger ending. They had to finish it the next night. <laughs> Now, tomorrow, folks, uh, I will just want to let you know, uh, obviously a a lot going on in the world, and there's one dominant story. So uh, temporarily, starting tomorrow from 6 to 7, we're going to air Global News Hour at 6. That'll be for an hour, and then Inside Sports will be from 7 to 8. And again, I'm going to be doing it from my house, so I I have no idea how that's going to go. I have never broadcast from home before. Uh, I might have a dog farting around while while I'm on the air. Uh, I don't know. My dad might come in and w- want some crackers. I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I would say think of but, it as less crazier than Studio 99. Uh, <laughs> well, there'll be fewer people, I, I would think. <laughs> right. uh, I don't really, nobody really ever comes into my house. So that's, that'll be an interesting situation. But uh, I, I look forward to connecting with you tomorrow. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.